Now, welcome to another inspiring edition of Sound Insight with Dr. Tom Curran. Good morning. Welcome to the program. This is Dr. Tom Curran. I'm joined by my wife, Mrs. Carrie Curran. Hi, dear. Hey, Tom. Hey, it's this is Wives Wednesday, a, a day dedicated to wives. I love that. In <laughs> uh, the Lenten season, it feels like that's appropriate, right? To be able to explore the meaning of being married and how to flourish in marriage and how Lent can be a gift to maybe reflect on things that maybe otherwise we wouldn't. We're going to use a foil to help us come to insight. What's a foil and how's it going to help us? I'll tell you in a minute. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Welcome back to the program. Let's begin. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the gift of the call to married life and married love. I thank you to the call to be a human being made in your image and likeness that we can come to fulfillment uh, by honoring what you have etched into the core of our being. Lord, give us insight today. Draw, Help us draw from the scriptures and our tradition to be able to uh, speak well and to live well our vocation as human beings and as husbands and wives. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. In the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Carrie, you do realize there's a countdown in place. Uh, no, I do not. Three days. The so three-day countdown. Oh. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> you know. To your birthday. You, well-trained, I guess. The birthday countdown. <laughs> I have got my three young ladies at home, and even they are talking about what are we going to do to honor mom fittingly on her birthday? Because mom, there's a chance you're getting crowded out of your birthday. I know it's it's very typical. It's typical. And what was it that's threatening your birthday from being the full experience uh, of honoring you? There's actually more than one thing. I know. There's so, three. That's things. okay. Oh, there's three now. All right. Well, the third one you've xed out. So it's the, really fine. <laughs> volleyball tournaments and the one B basketball tournament. Oh, the all right. the finals, honey. Until I can, I'm praying for your conversion where that'll be the fun event that we do is as a family, <laughs> we go to the Spokane arena and watch a bunch of one B basketball girls teams. It's just one B not one, a two, a, I think it's one B and two B uh, Okay, that play um, there. And the championship games are at, uh, yeah, at the two B or later in the day. Okay. Um, so uh, we went last year and had such a good time. You went with Annalise for the 1B championship. And then I, I came back with her and we watched the 2B championships, the girls and the boys. And it was inspiring. And I bring that up for a reason. One of the things that is a great blessing to us as human beings and in our life of faith is when we draw upon sources of inspiration. 
what inspires you? Who inspires you? So have you ever even heard of the phrase mad frog, Carrie? Like uh, only mad frog. <laughs> only from my daughter. That's right. Our sweet seventh grade daughter on a 13-year-old volleyball team. When she can grab a hold of our smartphone, because she doesn't have a smartphone, folks. She doesn't even have an iPod, folks. You don't have to give your seventh grade 13-year-old kids smartphones. You just don't. Okay, but when she grabs ours. Do you feel better? I did. That was good. Just a little vent. Got to kind of put that out there. Uh, She'll say, Dad, Dad, I got a check on Mad Frog. Now, what's so interesting about that is this this team is in Texas. This would never have happened five years ago. You're not tracking national teams at all. That's true. And just to see, again, things getting ramped up to a whole new level is... uh, it's just exhausting. It's and it's not even just <laughs> it's, like, it's not even just awareness, Carrie. It's also attitudes, like the ways of relating to things. There was a documentary that Prime, I think it was Amazon Prime, they did it. It was about a basketball player that was a phenomenon. He was like LeBron James level phenomenon in high school. And he had this reputation that just sort of bloomed through what's called the AAU circuit. So you have these, you know, club teams and they're traveling around the country. And when he would show up, all these kids would want to watch his games and, and coaches and from colleges would come and try to recruit him. And what, one of the things that they end up saying was that it was relatively dampened down, even though he had a degree of like sparkle and shine and, and had this inspiring quality about him. They said this this would have been like explosive compared to what would have been part of his life if he had been born 10 years later, or if he had gone through this 10 years later and how his life was fundamentally shifted right by that. Now I bring that up because what kids are become aware of, it shapes how they relate to things. And so it shapes, it relates to how they want to play the game, how they want to play basketball or in this instance, volleyball, So Luciana gets inspired by these 13-year-old opponents that she might actually play against one day. And this is like some kind of inspiring movement to say, let's go play in a tournament in Dallas, Texas, because we just might play against them. That that has that like allure to it, right? Okay. Uh, I got diverted a little bit there. Any talk about sports and just we might be taking exits left and right all the way down the on-ramp, off-ramp. While we're we're off that, let me take one last off-ramp. I mentioned going to that tournament last year with Annalise, and that inspired her to get her game to the next level. Okay, what inspires us? Brothers and sisters, ponder the question in your life of faith or even let's just say living in in the highest and best way that you can live your own human life. Where do you find inspiration? What moves you? What, what, what do you encounter? What do you put yourself in front of that when you take it in and you come away from it, you're saying to yourself, I'm going to be different. I have this new vision that I'm going to pursue with passion and urgency and a zealousness 
and even de- dedication, right? I-, I think that's a really big deal. I do think that's a good question. I, if I were to answer that, the moments where I've probably been most inspired are when I go away on a retreat or get away with uh, other women. I'm trying to think, get away with you? When have we gotten away lately? Uh-oh. <laughs> I don't think a, that's going to work. breadcrumb of a hint? That, uh, <laughs> no, I'm just trying to think. That, that's probably, and then obviously there's like books and then there's some great podcasters and there's, uh, I'm just trying to think, people that I know personally are not as much, not that I'm not with great people, it's just, there's something about the allure of being inspired by someone that's far away, like a team in Texas or a program that you have to go to and fly across the country and everyone's gathering there. And there's this energy of what's going to happen and not necessarily am I the most inspired by those kinds of big events, but to actually have to get up and leave my space and allow space to be inspired, to be able to think clearly and quietly and have some solitude. I think it does require a, some kind of leaving and going away. Yeah. That well, would be my guess. I, I, I think you, you're tapping into one of the ways that we can be inspired in, in this Lenten season as Catholics. Being driven into the desert? Driven into with the, <laughs> the desert that has your name so, on it. Come so on. inspired by that desert. That is so inspiring. Well, I think that you bring up a very important one, which is if I see a bunch of others doing it, then I'll find it easier to do it. Um, we talked about that, that when I would undertake a Lenten, uh, like let's say generosity, ex- expanding and extending my own spiritual exercises, it was when I committed to a group of other guys and we would do it together. Oh, and it's so uh, not just inspiring, it's just in- it's encouraging yeah. when you have it's when you're doing something with a group, I think that's why sports is so great when you are committed to a team and you're going to that gym two, three times a week. Imagine adults committing to a sport two to three times a week. We have to go work out. And then I'm not, I'm trying to think what game we're going to be playing on the weekend, but there is a way in which you kind of stop those activities. It, it diminishes and pretty much you stay within your domestic church. It's the spouse, it's the children you really don't have natural connections unless you create that intentional living with a group of other families. Well, let's just say that the internet, social media platforms are chock full of motivating uh, attempts, uh, attempts to motivate and inspire action towards a more ideal condition. I, and whether I, that's uh, getting in shape spiritual, is like number one is get definitely getting in health, shape. beauty, beauty, look better. We can fix your skin, your hair, your <laughs> all sorts of so many people peddling, yeah. trying to sell their goods. So if the if I said the first one's getting in shape, there might be a, a, a one that's even higher than that. Ma- making money. Yeah. Getting wealthy. Yeah. Those are also yeah. showing up. Right. So and then, you know, beyond that, you're going to have the other. Sort of like, okay, I'm more beautiful, I'm wealthier, and I have more freedom or control or power over my own life and what I get to do. And Well, I mean, don't they typically try to find a pain point, not a vitamin? I mean, the easiest things to sell are those that are going to get you out of pain. Yeah. 
and suffering. So there are, I do see things that they offer for helping your teenager who's stuck in this way or your spouse who's stuck in this way or uh, health, you know, if you're. Well, you know what they use, Carrie? They use testimony. They, they use, it's I was, God did, I am is a personal testimony, right? I was in this broken condition, didn't realize it. Then this happened these to me. Vitamins, and I took these vitamins. I took these treatments. <laughs> and then God broke in and all of a sudden I had this awakening, this conversion, this transformation. And now here's where I'm at. And I mean, it's great to have inspiring stories and it's great to say, I want to be more. I want to live better. I want to pursue greater goods. Uh, it, However... So two things to that. The first is I, I, I laid out a structure of a faith-based approach to motivating. And that is, you know, by giving a testimony or a witness, I'm saying that, you know, motivational speakers who are offering self-help programs, they follow the same model. They follow the same model. It's it. it, I like, I could write a, I could write a best-selling self-help book. I, they will say something like, I tried out for the team when I was 12. I never made it. And then in high school, they said, you'll never be great. And then when I got to college, I was told there's just no way. And then I broke my left leg and that was the end. But I really believed I set some goals. And then by my, by the time I turned 22, I was trying out for the pros. I mean, they do these. Cra- I made it and I, and I, I <laughs> and learned now- the secret formula. I well- came away. <laughs> With the secret formula. Now, let me tell you the three steps, the seven secrets. Well, and usually you have to have a principles. You have to have a really bad backstory. Like Next you have step. to have disastrous type. I was in a train wreck. I was in a car wreck. I, I, I was, was almost sleeping I was, in my car. <laughs> uh, I was, a, you know, I was in a single I had family. Lost and, all my money. I was bankrupt. Uh, yeah. And I was completely sick and, and wounded and broken. And so once you I was hear, in prison, right? <laughs> when you hear that, just be on guard. They're trying to market something to you. Oh, goodness. even if there's truth in it. Yeah. It's just and not. So there's the exaggerated darkness of the past. And then there's the, ta-da, ta-da, the revelation that comes, that intervention into life. And then all of a sudden, now look where I am. All right. And then when, once the person is in that, look where I am, look. And, and then it's typically, look at me, how beautiful I am. And for two fifty nine and eight weeks, you can be where I am. Just join this course, <laughs> join these eight steps. I have the secret to unlock your future. And this is all going someplace, brothers and sisters. This is so important, right? The thing that here, here I got to tell you what bothers me the most. Wait, you have a rant? Is I, this what this, this is a rant. What bothers me the most is this person who says, "Look, I, let me just put it to you straight." I have made millions of dollars implementing this program. And now I'm 26 years old and I am a millionaire and I just want to help you. So now I'm going to sell the secrets to you for $99. It's a $7,000 value and it'll put you on that road to being a millionaire yourself. But I just want to share the wealth and I'm going to hand out to millions of other people the secrets that have made me a millionaire. Now, why does that bother you? Show me that person. That person doesn't exist. That person who's making millions of dollars doing something is not going to share the secrets to all these other people to make millions the way that he just did it. <laughs> He's going to continue to do it himself and tell nobody. He's going to patent it. 
He's going oh, to, right? He's going to bottle it. He's the last thing in the world he's going to do is go online on some social media thing and market it and say, "I'm going to sell you the secrets for, uh, you know, $150." That it doesn't happen. That's not. It's not real. It's not authentic. Well, you know what? He might have done it, but for him to try to pass it on to people, and this is what these experts do, they try to pass on what they did or some degree of it, but we're all made so differently. And you can't try to cram your success into somebody else's personhood. We'll pick this up in just a minute. Welcome back to the program. All right. So, Carrie, I did kind of rant. I feel better. Do you feel, <laughs> I feel a little bit better? See, it's so, it's so, uh, you, it, there is a way in which you just cathartic. want to keep doing it. Yes. It's cathartic. I just, there's this release. And uh, the reason why I even got into all of this I, was. Yeah, why did you? Well, two reasons. The first is one of the ways for us, brothers and sisters, to come to appreciate the gift of our Catholic faith are in our Catholic tradition with all of the incredible insights, the authentic, profound insights into who God is, into who we are and what our life is all about, we don't always appreciate. And one way to appreciate it is by comparing, contrasting, and evaluating what the world proposes to us as an authentic vision or an ideal of what human greatness is considered to be. So today we are talking about uh, husband-wife relationships, and we want to elevate, we want to prevent, provide a, an inspiring model to you, brothers and sisters, to help elevate how you're living your Lent to say, God has more for you. God has a degree of, I'm going to use the word magnificence. God has a degree of glory that he wants to manifest in your married life. And so uh, so we want to be able to try to access what that is. And one way to access it in a way that's fresh and, and new and different is to use a foil, use something to reflect against. And, and the second reason is I am good at it. <laughs> I love to be able to, in fact, it's it's one of the things that, one of the things that happens is when we're talking, you'll like play a section. Well, you tell what happens. Uh, when I'm listening to a podcast, I'll typically know something's off by something that some people are saying, but it's not bad. It's just something's not clear or it's not crisp or it's, it's lacking clean. profundity, depth, or it's fullness, or it's just wrong. But it's, it's not always evident. I mean, you read the reviews or the comments on a YouTube page, and this is so brilliant. This is the most amazing. Oh my goodness. This is exactly what. And so if you're searching for insight or you're searching for uh, a greater understanding, know thyself, a better way to know your own self, um, it can be confusing unless you have a Tom Curran to say, hey, what's off with this? What's wrong with this? Or why is this so it grates in the wrong direction, but I'm always not sure, of course. Yeah. So I think that's typically what happens. Either it's a book I'm reading or uh, a podcast I'm listening to where, where it's good, but it's not, uh, there's something missing. Yeah. And, 
unfortunately, like the general population and even uh, let's say the, the the basic reality is so many Catholics, we haven't been formed. We haven't had the, the gift of being able to explore deeply and reflect deeply upon the beautiful teachings of our church in matters of human living and anthropology. So, you know, what does it mean to be a human being and how do I live well as a human being, right? So uh, you presented to me, you said, let me go look up, let me go look up a podcast that is relevant to wives, that's relevant to husband-wife relationships. And let's see if we can get some insights from there and, and draw out the authentic aspect of the relation, of what he's saying. And then show some of the limits and say, hey, look at our Catholic faith is a beautiful gem that could be actually authentically inspiring. Yeah, I mean, I think it's great. You take content and then you make it that's more secular and then you make it Catholic or you Catholicize it. It gives you sometimes new ways of talking about a truth. And so, and I think it helps me. I need those foils. Yeah. So the, uh, the, the video that you ended up um, presenting to me was called seven simple steps to attracting your soulmate, seven simple steps to attracting your soulmate. Now, what's so interesting is this was put, on by somebody who's over 40 years old and is not married. <laughs> That's like John Mark's podcast, how to, how to get a girlfriend and not be on varsity or something. Uh, how to be, how to get a girlfriend and, and still be on JV. And he's never had a date. It was great. He's never had a date or a girlfriend. <laughs> that was, uh, that's funny. Uh, it was Well, and this person, this podcaster has the greatest, the best on. So maybe he thought, I've heard it all. I've listened to it all. I'm working really hard. I can give you my list of what the seven secrets are to soul mating. And it just was so cringy. And I thought, okay, I know this is not right, but how bad is it? And that's where you're like, yeah. Well, what's funny is- Let's take a deep dive. Well, well, it, it, the the title was clickbait because that's not what he identifies as- the seven keys. This one says seven simple steps to attracting your soulmate. The person who actually said, oh, let me summarize for it in the top comment underneath the video, called it uh, seven steps to find the love you deserve, which is also incorrect. It's not what he identifies <laughs> as the, the content. He What he ends up saying is it's seven keys to lasting love. That's what that's what the video is actually about. Oh, okay. The seven keys to lasting love. And what does he do? He does exactly what we said you'll do in a testimony. You'll find the things that are broken. Like what's the darkness? Then there's the aha of the insights. And then that'll lead you to the promised land of this ideal vision that he's going to lay out for you. And so being able to, to name those things is what is the great hook right? How many times have I said to you and how many times do you notice this? It's like, oh, wow. He's naming people's pain really well. Wow. You get me is what people end up saying. You, you get my pain. You get my suffering. You get my darkness. Therefore, if you're going to raise up a vision, well, then you must be right because you named my, my suffering so well. Yes. I've seen that several times. If one can name their, their struggle and their pain, then you think they also have the solution. But just because you can name it in, in, and describe it doesn't mean you have the wisdom or the insight or the, the full 
answers to those aching questions. Yeah. Well, and so he relied a, a bit on a study. And so the study would identify for him the three fears that hold back relationships the most. Like what, what holds back a loving relationship are these three fears. And do you remember what those were? Uh, no. Intimacy, inadequacy, and abandonment. Intimacy, inadequacy, and abandonment. And you know, he mentions them and he says, we have to overcome these three. You know, the fear of intimacy, the fear of inadequacy, the fear of abandonment. Intimacy would just not even be on my radar. Well, here's the funny thing. It's is that not the intimacy right. is a positive way of expressing a relationship that's flourishing, but inadequacy and abandonment are negatives that you'd overcome or that you would learn to live well with. Ah, there's a different language. You don't always in this world overcome inadequacies in a fear of abandonment. Well, how about this? We all in married life have inadequacies and it's how do you live well with it? It's how do you love it? How do you human condition? <laughs> so we're all going to all have to figure out how to love the other in their inadequacies and weaknesses and struggles. Yeah. I think that um, he, when he talks about inadequacy, it's I'm, I'm not enough. This is never going to work out. All my relationships fail. That was some of the language that he used. He popped right on the screen. You can tell who his audience is. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of women that have yet to find the love of their life. Maybe he knows his target really well. And he's a nice looking guy. So I'm sure he got a lot of clicks. <laughs> Abandonment though? That seems odd. No, no. Okay. So um, what psychologists will say is that the two fundamental human fears when you get down like the, the primal fears that human beings have are one of two and they're the opposites. One is the fear of abandonment and the other one's the fear of being trapped. You remember how I talked about that? Yeah. Okay. What do you need? You need space. So you need walls that contain a sense of space. This is who I am. I operate in this space. Abandonment is when all the walls fall away. And now you don't know how to locate who you are. Fear of being trapped is the walls close in okay. and I have no room to move, right? So that's the, the human experience of, 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 of the fear of abandonment is, is actually connected to the fact that you and I are made in the image of the blessed Trinity, meaning that I experience fulfillment as a person, as the I, I am only when I'm in a life-giving relationship with another human being or with God, right? A personal God. So the fear of abandonment is saying, I'm not going to have a life-giving relationship with another human being that provides me with a sense of stability, identity, it gives me a place of orientation in the world. I know who I am because I know that I'm connected to you. You won't abandon me, right? Isn't that one of the things that some uh, some people with certain forms of, of neuroses or, or psychological brokenness is what? I'm afraid that everyone will abandon me. If they really knew who I was, if they really know what I've done or what I've thought, then you would hate me, reject me, and abandon me too. You, know, you talk about self-sabotage, right? So there are, yeah, parents, I, I think you need to hear this. Husbands and wives, you need to hear this, that this is something that can plague a relationship. 
It can plague our relationship with our kids, where if they're feeling a sense of self-disgust or self-hatred, that they might act out in a way that says, I feel so disgusted with myself that this is how I'm going to show up. I'm going to show up in disgusting ways. And then when you act towards me with disgust, then I'm just going to be confirmed in my negative sense of self. So that's, that is a, like a, a, a fundamental factor in human existence. Yeah. I wonder if that's becoming more uh, common in young kids today because of what they're encountering. It's not something that's, I would say common. I don't think kids feel that depth of abandonment, but when it does happen, it's very damn, it's very severe in that family's system. Would you say that um, kids who, kids who grew up in a family marked by divorce, don't you think that there's that sense of I've been abandoned by one of my parents? Well, I think it affects the kids in that family, very, all of them differently. And I'm sure if there's a few of them, certain, you would definitely see different degrees of abandonment being okay. experienced. So sure. just, just say how many kids are growing up in a single parent home, but they don't know their father, the father's absent, uh, the father has left the family, or again, there's a brokenness in that family. Or the mother left. Or the mother, right. Yeah, <laughs> I know it's not, not as common, yeah, let's but not, yes. Yeah, let's not pick that up. Anyhow, oh. Okay, so what does this have to do with? Well, he, he talks about his first key, his first step to find the love you deserve. The first one is, and this is the basis of all the others, is, is the, oh, this is the key to unlock everything. This is the key to unlock all the other keys, right? The keys to experiencing love, uh, experiencing the love that you long for and deserve, the love that you were made for and are, is self-love. Love yourself first. Give to yourself first what you want to receive from others. And that doesn't sound bad. That It, it sounds kind of goofy, but if you don't have any background in, in theology or in human, like what is human excellence or what is real sacrificial Isn't living? That Whitney Houston, the greatest love of all. Yes. It's learning to love yourself. Well, and I the think greatest you hear a lot about self-care and you need to care for yourself and take care of yourself. And I mean, there is a way in which there is a way, but I don't think it's a problem with my generation. I definitely think this is, they're inundated with it in the 30 and under generation of you are the center of your universe and you are the most important. <laughs> yeah. You are the gift that God has given the world. And so acknowledge me, right? All right. Um, well, how does that hurt a relationship? This, this beginning point? Well, Carrie, if I just live for myself, how would you like being married to me? Well, I don't think- If I sought self-love first- I don't think it's he, like, honey, I can't love you well <laughs> until I love myself. Let me love myself. Be yes? selfish or self-centered. He just says, if you don't love and cherish the way God has made you or who you, he doesn't even say God, but if you don't cherish yourself, how do you expect other people to cherish who you are? I mean, there is a level of self-knowledge that comes with self-love. He quotes, he, he puts in a quote here. He says, if you want something, you have to become it first. If you want love, love yourself first. Okay. That's just, if you want right. to be valued, value yourself <laughs> first. If you want to be taken care of, take care of yourself first, become the energy you want to attract. 
Okay. This was like, so, this was the mind blowing quote. Okay. Right? I'm just saying <laughs> the first part was good, but then he just, it went sideways really fast. So obviously there's not a lot of formation in what he sees as self-love. Yeah. There, there's a big gap there. So let's talk about the alternative. I want to talk about a Catholic alternative that's going to help us uh, grow forward in our spiritual lives and will help us uh, advance. And we'll do that in just one minute. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a, a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out. DrTomCurran.com, DrTomCurran.com. Welcome back to the program. So, Carrie, what is a Catholic alternative, and let's say a Catholic Christian biblical alternative, to saying that the most important key to loving is to love yourself first, is to uh, focus on and attempt to experience self-love? You rightly brought up the fact that a lot that'll that'll resonate with a lot of people who don't experience a sense of authentic self, um, authentic uh, self affirmation, uh, authentic self esteem. The key word here is I'm saying is authentic. All right, and, and there's a reason why because we're fallen human beings. There's going to be a darkness in our thoughts, in our words, in our deeds. There's going to be a discrepancy or a distance between who we are and who we know we ought to be in how we live our lives. And that distance is going to be experienced very painfully. And so I will feel and see and experience parts of my life where I'm not lovable. I don't deserve to be loved. These are, these are parts of my life that are broken and dark or in bondage or evil. And these are parts that need to be cleansed and removed. Okay, so if that's one of the things that is going to hold back a sense of self-love the way he's talking about it, well, what's the alternative? The alternative is that you will grow and flourish as a loving human being when you focus first, not on receiving love, but on self-donation. Giving yourself as a gift out of love, as an expression of love. That's how we find fulfillment. That's the Catholic Church's teaching about human life and human love. It's from Gaudium et Spes, the pastoral constitution of the Church of the Modern World, Second Vatican Council. It was uh, that we are, as human beings created in the image of God, are made to experience fulfillment through acts of self-giving, self-donation. That's how we find fulfillment, by giving ourselves away, not by saying, I need to do what I need to do to protect myself and to receive and to simply experience and affirm myself. That is a path to misery. That is a path to inauthentic living as a human being. So any comments on that? Uh, I, yeah, I'm just trying to re reconcile what he thinks he means. And maybe he just wasn't as clear as he could have been. But obviously... He 
his approach is going to have a limit really quickly. Yeah. And it's not going to, well, he's not married yet, <laughs> but it's not going to end. Well, I, and I think this is what you end up doing. If you don't have faith or you don't have formation, you just kind of fall back to cutesy. What sounds Slides. right. Yeah. What sounds good. A lot of, a lot of his stuff is very slogany, which is not a word, but it just. Yeah. It's just buzzwords and catchphrases yeah. and things that sound right. He'll use a lot of words that sound right. But if you try to form them into a coherent system of thought and a consistent way of looking at life, it, it doesn't hold together. All right. There's nothing that, that goes uh, very deep there. So let's lean on what the church says. The church says that you discover not only who you really are, and you discover the path to fulfillment by being generous in acts of self-sacrifice self-giving for the sake of others. Think about your life as a wife, your life as a wife, and God has blessed you with children as a mother. You find fulfillment in literally making room in your very being, in your physical being, making space for another. And that other that has become welcomed into your being, into your womb, a child in your womb, is, is one that you literally give your whole life over to. It changes how you sleep, how you eat, how you spend your time. It's a complete sense of, I'm doing this for your sake, not because I enjoy it, but because it's something that you find, uh, it's something that I need to do as a wife and mother. So Carrie, the let's say the the counterpoint to the idea that I don't seek after self-love, but I seek to give myself to someone in love or to act in generous self-giving ways to others. The counterpoint to that is I will only come to an authentic experience of self-love by being loved by another human being. Authentic self-love is the fruit of being loved well by someone else. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. I was thinking, though, if I were to put two people in front of me or in front of anybody and you saw one who was doing self-sacrifice and self-donation and the other one was trying to fill himself with his own self-love and self-value, clearly one is more attractive than the other. Yeah, because I mean, one is radiating not only not only godliness, which is the highest thing, but is also radiating the depth of authentic human living. There is the profound idea, it's expressed in the writings of von Balthasar, that it's the smile of the mother that is the awakening encounter for the child. The child only comes to know that I am an I, I am a person, when I am gazed upon by the loving smile of the mother. And that calls forth, calls out of a latency, a, a hiddenness, calls it out into the open. Oh, wait a minute. You love me. Oh, wait a minute. There's a me here. And I only know who the me is, the I is, when I experience the authentic, profound, loving smile of my mother. And I think that that type of 
encounter is proven by those statistics or those studies where the babies in the Russian orphanages or Ukrainian orphanages were not picked up, were not soothed, were not cared for. And it created just a hollow person in those places. And often when you have kids come from that kind of background, it's really hard for them to have a sense of grounding. That's a whole sense of abandonment. Or bonding. Right. Yeah. Just they didn't. Of abandonment. Right. Yeah. So you can't just say to them, just love yourself. Yeah. <laughs> just right. go find your own just, self value. Find your value and love yourself. It, and, and so you can see how the wisdom of the world or the wisdom of the famous, the wisdom of the slogan, the wisdom of the popular literature of our time. So empty. Is, is empty. And it's, no, it, here's the thing. It, it's not just empty. It's so discouraging. Because you have people who buy into these slogans. Wait, go back and read. What did he say again? What was the third? Do you fourth? want to hear this? Just real quick. If you want something, you have to become it first. You have, if you want love, love yourself first. If you want to be valued, value yourself first. If you want to be taken care of, take care of yourself first. So says the guy who's never been married, right? But he has millions of followers. He has millions <laughs> of followers. And he has all these people saying, this This is so amazing. This wisdom is incredible. Why don't you just like text him or email him or call him and say, hey, let me help you with let me help you with your content. You need to you need a philosophy major. I, all right, let's go to the next one. What's the next ridiculousness of this? Well, let me just say it this way. I, I need to connect this more fully to Lent. Folks, do you want it to be transformed this Lent into a more loving person? Let God love you. To be is to be addressed by God in love. That's it. Do you really want to come to know who you are? Do you want to come to an authentic, awakened sense of self-love? You have to allow God to love you. You have to allow the loving father of Jesus Christ and the gift of his spirit, who is love. You have to allow that love to wash over you, soak into you, sink into you and blossom forth. That will change and cleanse your perspective. That will change how you look at life. That will give you the ability to love yourself well, because now you're not loving yourself somehow first over against other people, second, third, and fourth. No, you're loving yourself because the loving God who is loving you has prompted in you an authentic sense of self-care. I'm caring for myself in love because you love me and you have lovingly commanded me to do so. That is where authentic self-love comes from. I think that, you know, unfortunately, that's not, there's none, none of that is to be found in, um, in, in this guy, you know, very popular uh, video and writings. I don't even think that is found in any of his 1500 podcasts. Well, I mean, so how many millions of people listen to the best of the best doing things in life at the top level, and yet they're missing they're just missing all real deep brothers spiritual. and sisters. What they're missing, we've been given as a gift. That's that's profound. That's... We have been given as a gift these incredible truths. And you're going to be held accountable. And we will we will be held accountable. Anymore. We will be held accountable. Well, and here's the thing: we benefit from these gifts. We benefit and we're blessed mm-hmm. by these truths that the loving God loves us and wants to love us, wants to look us in the eyes, reveal to us who we really are. Help us to shed false identities. Help us to surrender selfish, inauthentic ways of living and help us to grow into the fullness of who we are as children of God. And that that's what our Lenten journey is about, brothers and sisters. All right, 
we are up against another break. Carrie, when we come back, let's offer some uh, closing comments in the last section. Welcome back to the program. So Carrie, um, here we are talking with this, uh, talking together in this Lenten season and saying, how do we look to what the church teaches? And one of the ways to help it shine brighter is by looking at what the world is presenting as a vision for coming into the the height of what um, uh, what we can achieve, the greatness that is available to us. And so these seven keys to, um, what is it? Seven keys to lasting love. The first one is self-love. Okay, let's quickly go through the other six uh, because there are a number of points that he touches upon things that are actually correct and, and right even if he doesn't unfold them all in, in, in a in a really Catholic or full way. Uh, he says vulnerability right, is a key to, to, to love. Vulnerability, um, which is about creating a safe space so that you can be vulnerable, which is different than being vulnerable, right? So vulnerability is, is really important in uh, in loving relationships. Why? Because it means I'm I'm opening to you a part of my life that is hidden from others. And it's a part of me that is requiring me to trust you. And in a certain sense, to entrust myself to you. That's something that I, I, that's part of uh, all authentic friendships is this idea of mutual vulnerability, right? In fact, that's really one of the keys to authentic intimacy is your willingness to reveal something that's hidden on the inside, who you are by some aspect of who you are sharing. And um, and the way that you're sharing it is not forced, it's gentle. And the way it's received and affirmed and celebrated and responded to is also um, uh, gentle. And uh, another word would be tender, right? That's where intimacy or that sense of uh, mutuality in nearness, that's what uh, is going to uh, lead to flourishing in friendships, among parents, and in um, husband-wife relationships. Very good. Okay. Uh, he talks about accept and respect. So in, he's saying here, you have to accept their vision, values, and lifestyle. That's kind of his his threesome, vision, values, and lifestyle. <laughs> he keeps going into that. And respect their boundaries. Now, what's so funny is he he ends up saying things that are just very contradictory. Because on the one hand, you have to accept and respect their vision, value, and, and lifestyle uh, and respect their boundaries. But somehow, harmony and peace is going to lead to this full, beautiful, abundant relationship. Uh, and I'm like, well, you do realize that you're, if you're really going to accept and respect their vision, values, and lifestyle, you're going to bump up against people who have different visions, values, and lifestyles than yours. So, so maybe they're not meant to be your lifelong person. Probably. Yeah. All right. Appreciation is another one. He, now he brings in love languages at that point, which I think is really important. The ability to affirm. We talk quite a bit about that. Um, he talks about growth. Uh, you have to work on yourself individually and together. I think that's one of the things that um, we would talk about is being intentional, that if we really do value something, that we will make it a point of focus. And in fact, Lent is all about that for us. Lent is all about us being intentional about being on this journey with Christ in order to shed our attachments 
to the fleshly things that are holding us back in our relationships and continuing to nurture and grow in those things that will help advance and experience a greater sense of peace and abundance or harmony in our relationships. So um, quality time together. So now he's again talking a bit about some of these love languages. Uh, and then um, adaptability is the last one, uh, having a sense of flexibility on both sides. So uh, I think that I would use the word complementarity, right? What's the difference between being adaptable and being complementary? I'm not sure. You're not sure. So, uh, <laughs> well, being complementary is what? You like to be in crowds and out and about. I like to be more inside and, and have one-on-one -on -one conversations. So I'm more introverted. You're more extroverted. And so there's a way in which our difference, our difference is meant to enrich both of us. So you have enriched my life by drawing me out into situations that are maybe less comfortable for me, are uh, draining for me, but are going to expand and break open parts of my person and personality. See, you're willing to grow. You're you're, you're number six. You're you have that growth yes, mentality. But it's not easy. Yeah, but you have to respect my limits and lifestyles and visions, right? Yes. What do you think he's missing? I mean, he gave some good things, but I just feel like there's like several things missing from lifelong. I think that uh, it would be first of all God. <laughs> oh, by the way, well, here's the thing. If you miss God in this, then you're going to immediately bump up against uh, how you overcome hurting each other. So the concept of forgiveness and uh, recon reconciliation. Well, I think they can still ask for forgiveness, forgive each other, but the limit is there's the not going to be healing. What the catechism says, the catechism says, you cannot not you cannot not feel or forget when you have become the uh, victim of someone else's sin. You can't not feel it or forget when when you are the victim of someone else's sin. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit who will purify your heart, purify the memory. Sorry, he'll purify the memory. And he'll be able to turn healing into intercession and injury into compassion. That there's at a human level, the the number of human beings that have the capacity to say, "If you did it, it's your fault. I forgive you, and I want to continue to 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 come back into good relationship with you." Apart from God, no way. Well, you, or you could do it a few times, but that, that has, um, the difference the between, distance. yes, gets greater and greater as he continues to fail or she continues to, uh, struggle okay, and just think of those how, wounds really start to hurt. How many times do we, in the course of a week end up having one or other of us say to the other, I'm sorry, I, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. Please forgive me. Yeah, like every hour. Can we say that? <laughs> you say in a week or in an hour? Yeah, I said in a yes, week. Yes. Yeah. So it's a regular part of our married life is recognizing the fact that we are limited, that we love the Lord, we love each other, but we're also broken, 
and we'll bump up against situations that involve stress and anxiety. And all of a sudden, living well is not easy. And we need God's grace yeah. to be able to overcome the brokenness and be able to say, let's move forward. And, and not just say, you know what? I won't bring it up if you don't bring that up. And if you bring that up, <laughs> I'm going to bring this up. Right? No. We kind of the, live in a bubble, honestly, of Christian couples. Like I, I'm just not around people that don't have faith as or Christ is the center of their married life. So I kind of forget maybe, and everything you see on TV is fake anyhow. So it's like, where do you even go to find? Yeah. And I think the bigger thing about that all is when you, the first, the first attribute of a, a great relationship is he says, love yourself. Well, if you're not loved by God, then how you're can not going to you love bring, yourself well. And how can you bring that love, your own love to someone? It's like, I love you, but I can, the power of my love is because it comes through Christ. Right. It's because of him. Yes. So that just would lack so much, not just power, but depth and just yeah, the consistency, persistence, bigness. It just yeah. would be so small. All of, All of that. And then you'd have to lean on so many other things like travel and eating and hobbies no, to know. have some kind of distraction, entertaining. Right togetherness a ton of boundaries will go up that are self-protective you know if i stay in this relationship it's hurtful so let me protect myself from conversations from situations where we're going to hurt each other right um and I, I would say the second thing is is without god you also lack a vision an ultimate vision for the relationship that is really worth giving your life for like why are you here is it to travel? What's life all about? Is it to go is on it, these exotic vacations? Not that they're bad. More stuff. Is it to is it to go out to amazing food or cook yummy foods together? And I don't know. It just would I'd feel empty, almost depressing at a certain point. It's like, what is your mission? It's it, look at look at Jesus, right? A lot of when he talks about the things that are uh, potentially like going to undermine living an, a life in a way that is truly great in his eyes. It's, I, I got more grain bins. Let me big. Let me build bigger grain bins. I, I I'm, you know, I, I'm rich and I lack for nothing. Is this Lazarus? Is that no, what that's that's the man who, and he says, you know, let me eat, sleep, and, you know, uh, I'm I'm happy and I don't want for anything. He says, you fool. This night you're like, oh yeah, will be that's asked a, of you. The gospel, right? At mass. So, uh, you know, there's that in, and just you know, don't, don't store up for yourself on earth treasures that the that will rust and that the moths will you know destroy but a, a lasting treasure that goes beyond this world so lent is a beautiful time for us to stop and say who's forming our minds how can we make sure that we are leaning upon what god has given to us and let's benefit from that god bless you guys